Are you still trying to reinvent the wheel? Tens of thousands of professionals have attempted to solve the same challenges you're dealing with right now. Some of them failed, some of them succeeded. But very few of them succeeded and captured their proven approach to share it with the world. Mike Kunkel is one of these very few. He has been an enabler for over 30 years and has captured his proven approach in an extremely successful framework called the Building Blocks of Sales Enablement. Mike and I have now translated the Building Blocks of Sales Enablement framework into a learning experience that helps a new generation of enablement teams fast-track their journey to sales enablement mastery. Our combination of group coaching sessions, actionable video lessons, materials, resources, networking opportunities and templates makes mastering sales enablement best practices faster and easier than it has ever been before. So if you want to stop reinventing the wheel, maximize business impact and fast-track your career, consider joining a growing community of enablers at the Building Blocks of Sales Enablement Learning Experience. To learn more, visit goffwd.com slash blocks. That's g-o-f-f-w-d.com slash b-l-o-c-k-s. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of Sales Enablement Live. Uh, we're streaming live here from the Kruger Marketing Headquarters in Sydney, Australia. And uh, apologies in advance if uh, we get some background noise. Uh, we have extreme rain forecasted today. And uh, for anybody who doesn't know what that means in an Australian context, uh, we um, this is going to be uh, quite crazy weather. So uh, we try not to get too distracted today. But uh, yeah, thank you so much for joining today. And uh, what we want to talk about today is uh, strategic sales enablement and uh, specifically uh, what it is, uh, why it makes sense. We want to talk about uh, what's stopping organizations uh, to be strategic about sales enablement. And we also want to talk about uh, strategic approaches. And um, on top of that, um, towards the end, we'll also dive into the nitty gritty of developing a uh, sales enablement strategy. So uh yeah thank you so much uh for joining hey chris how's it going oh, how are you going good good um i will uh mute you for now um please um uh type in the chat if you got any questions along the way and um uh, we'll we'll cover those um but yeah let's uh dive right in uh, so first of all um i just want to give you a bit of context uh, why i'm passionate about strategic sales enablement and uh, why this is a topic I really like to talk about. Um, so in 2010, I worked for an Australian media company called uh, Fairfax Media. And uh, for those of you who are not familiar with the kind of um, uh, selling environment and uh, buying environment in the uh, media landscape, uh, it is an extremely complex setup. So especially with large um, media companies like Fairfax Media, you have an incredibly a complex setup on the seller side with a matrix structure with uh, different product categories, different product managers, uh, different kinds of sales teams, and so on. And then on top of that, uh, you also have incredibly uh, complex stakeholder environment on the buyer side. So you would have um, uh, media agencies uh, being the gatekeepers uh, for buying decisions and then uh, uh, market CMOs and uh, marketing managers on the uh, brand side uh, making the final decisions around uh, media investment. And um, I occupied a sales enablement role with revenue responsibility um, in this uh, uh, complex stakeholder environment. And 
uh, what we experienced initially was um, we're extremely reactive in in that role, you know, and um, there was uh, back in the days in 2010, where in a lot of cases was still enough to do any sort of sales enablement um, to have a competitive advantage. And um, we were extremely reactive in the things that we were doing. So the um, the, the proactive activity was really limited to uh, the creation of one of sales decks that were hardly ever um, iterated because we were so busy with servicing the, the sales team. And uh, then uh, the pro pro proposal support. Um, so um, the support in creating proposals uh, for media agencies. And, and this was extremely reactive. We were dealing with a sales team of about uh, 200 sellers Australia-wide. And uh, we really didn't have the, the headspace to be more um, strategic about our efforts. But then over time, um, we were given more resources. Uh, we, we had more budgets uh, to invest in our sales enablement approach. And um, we then basically did an analysis and became really strategic about um, our approach and really worked proactively on uh, developing the business acumen of the sales team, uh, helping them with objection handling, um, optimize content formats, uh, work on allowing them to uh, engage decision makers um, uh, uh, better um, with content and uh, really speak their language. And um, the the results were quite profound. So within a five-year period, uh, we grew our portfolio. So we had revenue responsibility as well. And so we grew our uh, portfolio um, of 500% over five years. And um, what I then also was told retrospectively of other people in similar roles and other media companies that we were competing with was that pretty much uh, most of the market was essentially copying the way uh, we went to market uh, through our sales team. So we saw quite profound uh, results on that front. And um, that then uh, led me to, to develop my first business, which was designed to help marketing and sales teams to better engage senior decision makers with content specifically. And uh, now um, my current business, Kruger Marketing, now works with sales, uh, with business leaders and sales enablers to introduce more strategic sales enablement approaches and increase the capacity to implement initiatives. And uh, what I wanted to do today is really um, give an insight into the, the approaches from a strategic point of view that we see working and um, really give you some, some starting points if you're interested in being more strategic um, about uh, your sales enablement efforts on uh, what to consider and um, the things you can do to immediately, immediately make an impact for your portfolio. Um, now, first of all, you know, you might ask the question, why does it even make sense to be uh, more strategic? You know, and um, I mean, I give, I've given you with with a case study of um, what I've done at Fairfax Media, uh, an example of why it works. But this is might just be anecdotal evidence. If you really look at the research um, in the sales enablement space, um, you can really see that uh, being strategic about the sales enablement approach really has a a massive impact on the effectiveness of sales. So uh, Sales Enablement Pro in 2020 has uh, looked at the different approaches to sales enablement and what that does to the win rate. And um, their range that they've identified um, uh, goes from re reactive, um, which has an average win rate of 29%, to strategic, which is uh, has an average win rate of uh, 49%. So it's really safe to say that uh, the more strategic businesses are in um, approaching sales enablement, um, the more 
uh, the more um, um, you see an impact on the bottom line. Now, I want to qualify this a bit um, because it doesn't mean that automatically if you're strategic about sales enablement that your revenue numbers will go through the roof. Um, sales and um, especially in a B2B context is incredibly complex and um, they, there are also a lot of variables internally that uh, might impact on the win rate of an organization. So this is really indicative, but um, um, what is safe to say is that the more strategic you are from a sales and enablement perspective, the more you set yourself up for success on that front. You know, there might other uh, uh, factors uh, playing into that, especially in larger organizations like the overall go-to-market strategy. But um, it, it certainly makes sense to be more strategic about um, sales enablement. Now, um, to set the goalpost here when we talk about strategy, um, it really makes sense to also define strategy because um, there, there's a wide range of um, approaches to strategy. And generally speaking, uh, strategy is all about planning uh, what to do and what's most important uh, to do immediately. Yeah. And um, there's kind of key, two key approaches to strategy that I see in dealing with uh, clients and talking to peers um, around the world. And there's a Western approach to strategy, which uh, most businesses, um, especially in the tech space, would be familiar with. Um, that approach is really resource focused. Uh, so you identify long-term goals, uh, conduct an analysis, and then set a timeline of activities and responsibilities to achieve them. So this is a really, uh, really structured and resource-focused uh, approach. Yeah. Then there's the Asian approach to strategy, um, which is much more um, based on intuition and people focus. Yeah, and um, with the Asian approach to strategy, which um, it has a great uh, book. Um, it's a it's quite an old book, but it uh, is a great reflection of that approach to strategy, which is the uh, Art of War. Um, if you want to have a look. Uh, that approach um, really is also about defining long-term goals. Yes, so that's the similarity. But then if you go beyond that, um, it really is about moving towards a long-term goal by any means necessary while following general operating principles and tactic templates. Yeah, so there's, there's a real, um, there's a lot of uh, room for agility with that approach. And it's more about uh, uh, defining uh, overall operating principles and not be so focused about resource planning and um, uh, assigning responsibilities along the way. So it's a much more agile approach. Having said that, uh, I literally have not come across a single Western business that um, has successfully implemented that, that sort of approach. There's a lot of businesses that claim to be agile in their, um, in their strategic approach, but uh, that is often uh, just an excuse to not to do your homework and the execution is often quite poor, poor as well. So um, what we're talking about here today is the Western approach to strategy. Yeah. And um, uh, when, when we when we take the fact that uh, a strategic sales enablement approach is more successful than a non-strategic sales enablement approach, what we're really seeing here, and I've witnessed that um, in talking to organizations, there's there's a downward spiral and there's an upward spiral that you create uh, depending on what sort of approach you follow. If you're not strategic about sales enablement, um, you really um, set yourself up for a downward spiral. Yeah, for um, your sales enablement team in general. Um, the efforts and the initiatives that you create for your sales team, um, but also for your career overall. Yeah. So uh, if you're not strategic about sales enablement, um, what you often see is that the sales results are not as effective as they could be. Uh, 
which means that you then don't get the seat on the table with senior executives. You're not as involved in those um, in those decisions around the go-to-market strategy. Uh, uh, that often results the lack of uh, relationship and the lack of alignment with senior executives then often leads to uh, the funding not being there, which means that uh, sales enablement teams are then more stretched for resources, uh, which then in return uh, makes them less strategic, less effective, and so on. So you really see... Uh, in businesses that are not strategic about their sales enablement efforts uh, for that dynamic to really take place and to be really reflected in the way they um, they perform. Now, on the other hand, if you're strategic about your sales enablement approach, there's really an upward spiral going on. Yeah, So strategic sales enablement approach uh, leads to increased sales effectiveness. Uh, you then are, it's then much easier to actually achieve senior executive buy-in uh, which then leads to more funding, uh, you're better resourced, um, which then leads to you having more time to be more strategic about uh, your approach to stop, analyze, and formalize your strategy, which then in return leads to more effective sales performance and so on. So um, what do you see with, with businesses that are really strategic about the sales enablement um, approach? Oftentimes, those sales enablement teams um, gain much more budget and much more resourcing because you see that dynamic taking place. Uh, so guys, uh, just to reiterate, um, if you got any questions, please uh, drop them in the chat. Uh, happy to cover them in the Q&A section. Um, in terms of um, sales enablement in general, um, I think the, um, the the term is still um, really loosely defined. Yeah. So, um, and the the strategic sales enablement approach should really be taken as the um, as the gold standard. And there's a lot of uh, great books out there, you know, from Tamara Schenk, from Mike Kunkel, which were both on the State of Sales Enablement podcast um, that, that talk about um, that topic. Now, um, next up, I want to talk about um, what stops companies and sales enablers uh, about, uh, from being strategic and what you can do to actually overcome those barriers if they apply to you. Yeah. And um, a lot of times, um, like first of all, the the bottom line case um, for a lot of companies that, um, and especially in Australia, is they still don't have any sales enablement expertise in house, and pretty much trust on individual salespeople as lone warriors to hit the sales quota, and really, uh, you know, pretty much leave it up to them to figure it out themselves. Yeah, in this case. Um, it's really hard to um, to actually establish a strategic sales enablement approach. Um, and those kind of companies, oftentimes, those are oftentimes smaller companies, or in some cases, even mid-sized businesses I've come across. In those those cases, it's really uh, it's really hard to put sales enablement in place um, unless you actually hire a dedicated resource um, or you engage a third party um, like like Kruger Marketing. So um, in those businesses, what I see, there's, there's an extremely high barrier to actually start being strategic about sales enablement. The second, um, uh, the second uh, scenario that really stops uh, businesses from being strategic is that um, they have that shiny toy syndrome, right? So that means they follow whatever approach um, the vendor they currently talk to in the sales tool space and um, really follow that as their sales enablement mantra. Yeah. And uh, the problem here is that, uh, yes, vendors have some insight in what works and what doesn't, but they certainly oftentimes don't have the overall strategic um, 
acumen and uh, insight into your business and they um they also you know ob obviously have a conflict of interest because um they have an interest in uh, selling whatever strategy aligns with their specific technology solutions yeah so businesses that really are distracted constantly by vendor pitches and take whatever is right in front of them as them sales enablement mantra um also have a tough time to be really strategic about their uh, sales enablement efforts now I want to say, you know, I talk to a lot of vendors um, in my work with clients, and I love them to death. Don't get me wrong, but um, this is really something to be um, to be aware of. And um, I think vendors can bring a lot of insight and a lot of data to the table, and it's uh, worthwhile considering uh, that data in formalizing a strategy. But it never should be taking um, taken as gospel, and uh, never should be used to uh, define your overall uh, self enablement strategy. Uh, that obviously also applies uh, to my business. So we use also tech um, uh, to go out to market and for our sales sales activity, and um, we you know we utilize insight, especially case studies and um, information that is useful to to inform certain decisions around the use of a certain platform. But um, we still have our own go to market strategy and uh, sales enablement strategy um, to really make strategic decisions. Now. Um, the other scenario where I really see sales enablement not being as strategic as it could be is if sales enablement responsibility is shared across different roles. Yeah. And um, this is, um, you know, the kind of scenario that I call a random acts of en enablement. And a lot of times in this scenario, sales enablement responsibility is shared between, uh, let's say, marketing leaders, uh, sales leaders, and sometimes even sales reps. Uh, from a marketing point of view, that would mean, you know, the marketing department every now and then uh, helps create presentations, you know, um, um, helps with the design, helps with some content um, and supports sales on that front. From a sales leadership perspective, that often involves uh, coaching um, and um, sometimes also the, the definition of what sort of training programs are required for their sales team. And then from a sales rep perspective, that's um, what we call the uh, the bottom-up approach. Oftentimes, these are responsibilities around sales enablement that are assigned by sales leaders uh, for sales reps with certain expertise to work on uh, to support, support the rest of the sales team with sales enablement uh, services. And uh, what you have in those kind of scenarios is that there's always a distraction that kind of stops those resources from being really truly strategic about sales enablement. You know, the marketing leader um, has a marketing strategy to follow and uh, primary KPIs around uh, that. So sales enablement um, uh, is a is a low priority. Sales leaders have revenue targets to hit and a lot of admin work to do, a lot of interaction with senior executives um, within the business. Um, so they're distracted on that front and can't really be as strategic as they, they could be around sales enablement. And sales reps, obviously, in a nitty-gritty, um, basically, uh, their day job is to hit quota, to close deals. And they also can't really be as strategic as a dedicated sales enablement resource or sales enablement vendor could be around developing a sales enablement strategy. So in all of those scenarios, um, it's... Pretty much it's impossible to be as focused as you could be around your strategy unless um, there is a dedicated uh, self-enablement resource. 
Now, next up, I want to talk about um, how you actually develop a sales enablement strategy and um, what is really required on that front to um, to create a strategic output that really makes a difference to sales performance. Yeah, and um, we're talking about an input here of data that helps with the analysis, and then an output of the actual strategy that uh, that helps on a day to day basis to actually execute and make a difference to the sales team. Now, from a um, output perspective, or from an sorry, from an input perspective, uh, what we're looking at um, initially, if uh, it really makes sense to conduct a sales content audit, you know, this is uh, typically a starting point. This is typically the number one starting point uh, for businesses that um, also have a marketing team, um, because there is some, there will be some sort of interaction between sales and marketing, so it makes sense to conduct a sales content audit. And when I uh, talk about sales content, it's pretty much any content that uh, could be useful to a potential buyer in um, in, in making a, a buying decision around your product. Yeah, and uh, what I'm talking about here is not not only specifically uh, you know sales collateral, you know slide decks that talk about product features, functions, and so on, but any sort of content on the website that um, has been created um, in the past that pro uh, contains information that could be useful to buyers yeah and that should be an analyzed um, you know when we work with large organizations um, those those, those self-content audits can quite quickly blow out so we um, have recently worked on a project where we have um, analyzed 300 individual content pieces so depending on the the history um, of sales content, um, the kind of resourcing that you have on the marketing side, those kind of um, those kind of uh, content pools can be quite significant. Um, but it's still worthwhile uh, conducting to actually identify what sort of content um, is useful, what sort of content can be used at different buying stages, and um, you know to save uh, production efforts and also uh, budget along the way. Now, it also makes sense to um, interview the sales managers because um, they're the key stakeholders in actually executing on a sales enablement strategy. You know, um, I've seen a lot of sales enabler, especially in junior positions, actually neglecting um, that engagement around uh, sales managers. And um, that is really a showstopper because um, if the sales managers don't buy in, and there's really nothing happening. Yeah. And, um, and those kind of interviews um, with sales managers around their patches, actually understanding um, what they currently do, what sort of friction they see in the sales process uh, currently, um, what sort of uh, services they would like to see implemented um, to actually make life easier for their sales team are really crucial and actually understanding um, what is going on. Yeah, And um, oftentimes um, that um, those kind of interviews also unearth uh, problems that you might not be aware of initially. On top of that, I would also, depending on the uh, size of the sales team, um, generally, um, like I would recommend conducting a, a sales staff survey. So actually have a um, survey monkey or whatever platform you use uh, for those kind of services, uh, uh, sorry, surveys, uh, to analyze the needs of the sales team and um, how they um, how they feel they're being equipped um, to go or to market, you know, and um, that sort of survey also offers the opportunity to actually analyze the different approaches across the sales team, um, how they tackle uh, different stages of the sales process in their roles, uh, what sort of objections they come across commonly, um, and how they um, engage with their buyers and where they see the most need for support um, along the way, you know, and um, again, 
uh, those those uh, sales staff surveys, considering that um, the frontline salespeople are oftentimes uh, the the people that uh, benefit most from a sales enablement initiative. Um, those are also really crucial in actually understanding what the needs of those customers internally are for you. Um, on top of that. Um, I also strongly recommend, and um, this is really not mandatory, this is an absolute must, and um, how deep you go on that front is really dependent on the size of the market and um, the complexity of your product um, that, you're dealing, that you're selling. Um, I, would con uh, what I would recommend conducting customer interviews. And um, a lot of the things that you would typically consider in a win-loss analysis um, should really be included in those customer interviews. Yeah. And um, so those things that you ask the customers include things like, um, you know, what's your decision making process? Um, uh, you know, like what's your, uh, what sort of roles are involved in the decision making process? Um, how, what sort of content uh, did you, uh, did you utilize when making decisions in the past? Um, you know, what would you like to see in terms of the interaction with a sales team? How did you experience in the past the interaction with the sales team and so on? And um, those customer interviews um, are absolutely necessary to really understand um, the target market and bust myths that not only might exist on your end, but also on the end of the sales team. You know, the sales team might also deal with a lot of assumptions and a lot of, um, uh, yeah, a lot of assumptions um, that can be, uh, and myths that can be busted by actually um, interviewing customers firsthand and really um, hearing it from the horse's mouth. Uh, on top of that, I would also recommend a CRM customer data analysis and um, really analyze what sort of uh, common commonalities you see across the customer pool and um, you know what sort of in, um, how the interactions with the sales team, especially with desirable deals and desirable customers, uh, has looked like in the past. And um, you know, again, depending on the size of your organization, um, it really depends on how how deep uh, or how much data you have available and how deep you want to go on that front. But um, it really makes sense to also look at the CRM data because uh, that can. Uh, not only show what um, what customers and sales staff think is happening, but it actually shows based on data what was actually happening. You know, and uh, again, there might be a gap uh, between reality and expectation, and um, the CRM customer data analysis can also uh, unearth a lot of uh, um, interesting insights. Now, those are all the things uh, that I just mentioned that really. Um, are the input for your strategic analysis, you know, and um, there can be in an incredible amount of data, but um, it is safe to say uh, that there's hardly any business that actually goes to that depth um, of strategic analysis um, of what is happening from a buyer perspective, from a sales perspective, and from a data perspective. And um, if you uh, tick all those boxes, you're already more sophisticated than 90% of uh, companies out there in market. And uh, uh, again, my business uh, deals with a lot of businesses on the sales enablement front, and we can see that hardly any company actually goes to that depth of analysis uh, to inform their strategy. So if you do that, uh, you, you're definitely um, already on the right path to develop a strategy that is, um, that is uh, more competitive than, than what other players on market are doing. Now, from an output perspective, um, this is really where you distill the insights from your strategic analysis and uh, put them into uh, actionable uh, tools and content formats. 
And from an output perspective, um, the number one thing that I would recommend, if that's not already done on a, a more senior level from a go-to-market strategy point of view, uh, defining the buyer persona and the ideal customer profile, you know, um, you during the analysis, you might identify that what you thought was the ideal customer profile is actually not the case because there's, uh, there's uh, better budgeted uh, kinds of companies out there that have a shorter sales cycle because there's less decision makers involved um, and so on. So um, that, that sort of data can, can certainly help to, um, to, again, recalibrate buyer personas and ideal customer profiles and uh, become more advanced on that front. Uh, then the base uh, for anything that follows should be the buyer journey map. And again, uh, based on sales interviews, uh, sorry, based on the sales interviews and the uh, the customer interviews, you can then uh, define the uh, buyer journey map uh, by really mapping out uh, what how decisions are being made, um, what sort of content is needed along the way, what sort of stakeholders are involved, and really map that out. Based on that. And again, this is what uh, the least, or, uh, like very few organizations out there are actually doing. Um, the sales process needs, needs to be defined. You know, um, a lot of times what I see over and over again is that a sales process is de defined on, based on a lot of assumptions um, that aren't validated uh, through actual uh, real world insights. And um, this is really not helpful to the buyer at all. Any organization that is really customer centric needs to take the buyer map as a basis um, for the def definition of their sales process. Then you can uh, look at the sales process and create a sales enablement gap analysis. So you uh, look at uh, what sort of process from a sales perspective is needed to serve the buyer best and help them to make a educated decision as quickly as possible um, in their journey and uh, look at what sort of gaps there are in terms of um, the sort of uh, content, the sort of training, the sort of coaching uh, you offer in order to make uh, life easier for the salespeople and uh, uh, help them to better serve the customer. Yeah, And uh, based on that gap analysis, you can then formalize uh, initiatives. And those initiatives can then be um, prioritized uh, based on the impact and the ease of the implementation. So generally speaking, I would uh, recommend creating a mat matrix um, with two axes, uh, one for the um, kind of impact that you expect um, those to make. And um, there's a lot of research out there on what sort of um, areas of focus can create what sort of impact uh, for a sales team. Uh, so the, um, the Miller-Hyman uh, CSO Insights Survey, for example, I would recommend looking at and uh, the ease of implementation, you know, and when, when I talk about the ease of implementation, I talk about uh, the, the budget and the timeline uh, required to actually make those initiatives happen. Yeah. And yeah, once you have that defined, it's all about the execution and um, actually making sure that um, all the key stakeholders uh, within the organization uh, stay on track, remain aligned and um, you know, contribute to actually executing on those um, on on that strategy that you have developed, and yeah, that's um, that's everything on my end at this stage. Uh, do you have any questions uh, for me um, on the things that I just talked about? The um, the thing that I find is I, I run a sales training business it's called Sales Success, um, and I go into businesses and don't just do the training and walk away. Um, I'm sort of like rent a sales director. Mm -hmm. um, and the thing I find is that the sales enablement function uh, is not very well defined in terms of who does what. 
Uh, it's like everybody's got the hand in the pie and it ends up not being strategic at all. Um, what's your definition of sales enablement? That's what I'm interested in. Uh, yeah, so I mean, sales enablement, um, first of all, what you're describing sounds to me like uh, sales enablement is shared, you know, like what I described earlier. So there's there's some sales enablement responsibility cross marketing uh, across the sales, sales managers and so on. You know, my definition of sales enablement is actually a strategic effort uh, to provide all the tools and resources necessary for uh, sellers um, to better serve their buyers, you know, and yeah. from a buyer perspective, what that means is that they are able to make the best decision for their business as fast as possible, you know, and, um, you know, as I said, like to, to be as strategic as you can possibly be, um, the, the best way is to actually have dedicated resources uh, driving that strategy, developing that strategy, and then also driving the implementation, you know, and, um, you know, as you said, uh, I can totally, I can totally confirm that any organization that I deal with that um, has shared sales enablement resources is not strategic in their approach, you know, because there's always something else coming up. There's always a a different priority that sidetracks um, these efforts, and yeah. what you're left with is uh, sellers that have to figure it out themselves and buyers that um, have a bad experience because uh, there's no strategic effort in actually reducing friction for them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what I find. And I find when there's, when there's a dedicated resource, they get a junior resource. Mm-hmm. And it's somebody who's tech smart, but not strategically smart. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, um, uh, I, I previously interviewed uh, Tamara Schenk uh, on, on my podcast. Uh, so mm-hmm. she's the author of uh, the book called mm-hmm. Sales Enablement. And uh, she keeps on banging on about that, that if you have only one sales enablement resource in your business. It needs to be a senior resource right. to really uh, create that senior alignment um, to uh, strategically really enable the sales team. If you have a junior person, what you often end up with is the situation that I faced myself with uh, when I when I introduced or when I worked on sales enablement um, in my role at Fairfax Media, wh- where I was really reactive and uh, not not really on the front foot when it comes to actually enabling the sales team. You know, um, mm-hmm. all I did was sit at my desk and basically wait for the next query to come in Take orders, um, what's that Take orders. yeah exactly exactly. Stuff. exactly exactly and that's a resourcing issue but it's also a, a mindset and seniority issue you know and uh, the, the best case scenario uh, you can have is if you really have a, a, a senior sales enabler um, on deck that um, has a decent budget available to actually execute on strategy and is able to create that senior executive alignment across all areas of the business, no matter if mm-hmm. it's um, this, the, the CEO, the chief revenue officer, the uh, the chief marketing officer, and basically any stakeholders along the way to really make those initiatives happen. And that was it for today's episode. If you would like to learn more about sales enablement, please make sure to subscribe to the State of Sales Enablement podcast, where we republish these kinds of live sessions, as well as interviews with the leading sales enablement experts from around the world. Thank you so much for joining today, and I'll speak to you soon. Considering the recent budget cuts in the enablement space, it is no surprise that in a recent LinkedIn poll, 56% of enablers stated that they plan to increase their ability to create business impact in 2023. I've teamed up with sales enablement legend Mike Kunkel to create a webinar that outlines proven approaches to maximizing enablement's business impact. 
To watch the seven steps to maximizing enablement's business impact, visit goffwd.com slash impact. That's G-O-F-F-W-D.com slash I-M-P-A-C-T.